excited and a little nervous, honestly, um, because I get the chance to talk about something that's kind of really close to my heart and something that uh, we get to celebrate in our house in a really practical way, but something that, honestly, as a dad, as a pastor, I, I'm excited about, but as a dad, I'm a nervous wreck about. And so you can just pray for me this morning that I do not like blubber my way through this. As we talk about adoption, we talk about orphan care and foster care. If you'll pray for me, that would be fantastic because I don't know if I'm going to make it, but we'll get through it together. All right. So today is a little bit different day. And what we get to do and I hope we get to do in the future is take a Sunday uh, just to talk about the importance and the idea of adoption. And today, uh, it's going to be just so much fun. Um, as you saw in that video, the need is evident. The need is there, right? I thought the most convicting fact on the video that we just saw was the fact that if one person from every three churches in the United States decided to adopt or foster, then there would be no kids in the U.S. that needed a, that needed a home. Isn't that crazy? Now, the truth is today you may be sitting there and saying, you know what, I am not called to be an adoptive parent or a foster care parent. And guess what? You don't need to get up and leave. You can stay where you are because you have a role to play. Not everyone is called to adoption. Hear me when I say that. Not everyone is called to do this thing that God calls certain people for. But if you're not called, guess what? You have a great role that you can play in support and in prayer and and just in love of families that are. And so if you're sitting here today and saying, you know what, that's not me, I'm not called great. We people like me need your help and we need you to be on board and understand that this is a great call of the church as a whole to do this together. So what I wanna do first is just talk about um, the verses that we're gonna be in. We're gonna be in Galatians chapter four. Uh, Galatians chapter four, if you'll turn there with your Bibles, with me this morning. We don't have much time just because we got a packed day full of tons and tons of good, good stuff. And I want to respect your time and I want to hit the main things how we need to. So if you can turn with me to Galatians chapter four, and we're going to start in verse one, the word of God says this, I mean that the heir, as, as, long, as, long, as, long, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons." And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What's this passage telling us? It's telling us this, that the author and perfecter, the person, you know, God could have called what he did many different things. But in this passage, what he says is, He has adopted us as sons. He has called us heirs. He has taken us out of the situation that we were in. And he has brought us into his family and he has called us children of God. And if we are children, then indeed we are heirs. You see, the heart of the gospel is 
adoption. It's taking us out of the kingdom of darkness, out of sin and its enslavement, and bringing us into the family of God. And God chose, we see through scripture, even Paul chose, to call what the, the gospel story of what Christ has done on the cross through his death and his resurrection, he chose to use the words and the idea of adoption because it paints a beautiful picture of what God decided to do from the very beginning. There's a quote that's uh, really brilliant. It's by a guy named, you may have heard of him. His name's John Piper. But he says this, he says, the deepest and strongest foundation of adoption is located not in the act of humans adopting humans, but in God adopting humans. And this act is not part of his ordinary providence in the world. It is at the heart of the gospel. You see, the greatest understanding of adoption is not when I, as a human being, decide to adopt another human being. No, the greatest understanding and depiction of adoption is when God, the father of all, decided that because he wanted to and desired to, he was going to adopt us as sons and daughters. That is the greatest form of adoption. And that is really what God is saying here, what Paul is saying here in the book of Galatians. That adoption is at the heart of the gospel. So when we really look at adoption, I want to break it down today and, and, and go kind of quickly. But what we can see is this. In adoption, you can write this down. God's love and ours must be sacrificial, restorative, and accepting. In adoption, let's, let's take it God's side of things. In adoption, God's love, sacrificial, restorative, and accepting. And when we talk about adoption here on this earth, human-to-human adoption or orphan care or foster care, what we know is that it must be sacrificial, it must be restorative, and it must be accepting. And we're going to look at how those two things play out. So this morning, we're going to start with the first understanding, God's sacrificial love. Sacrificial love, here's what you need to know, in adoption... There is always a price to pay. In adoption, there is always a price to pay. Let me turn your attention back to to where we were in Galatians, starting in verse 1. It says this, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now here's, Paul is basically setting this whole text up and he's saying, here's here's what's happening. Just as a child, although an heir, is under the authority of a guardian or a facilitator or a parent or whatever until the time that the father says, you know, no longer you can be free, you can be your own man or be your own person. Just as that child is under the authority of something, each of us that have been born into this world 
are under the authority of the elementary principles of this world. Now, you may say, well, that's awesome. What are the elementary principles of this world? It's not so awesome. We live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. We live in a world that is is crying out for God to do something, is crying out to be redeemed. We live in a world full of sin. We live in a world full of hate. We ourselves are broken individuals. The way that life was supposed to play out from the very beginning, it is not playing out that way with us right now because we are broken apart from a right relationship with God. This is what Paul is talking about in these first set of verses. He's saying these are the elementary principles that you are under. This is the enslavement that you feel, the shackles that you feel on your arms and your feet. It's the enslavement of sin. But what does he say in this passage? He he said, just as the father decides when the right time is, says when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now what we see here is, it's almost like God is checking out of a grocery store, right? And he has decided to pick you and me and all of us up and he is checking out, right? And what the grocer says is the only form of payment that is acceptable here is a sacrifice. And God is saying, okay, I can provide that sacrifice. Because when the fullness of time had come and God decided it was time, he sent forth his son. And his son is the only sacrifice that's worthy of our restoration and our redemption. It is the only thing that gives us the strength, the ability, the grace to move into relationship with Christ. His sacrificial love shows us that. There's a really, um, there's a really good uh, quote that I, I found this week. And uh, I want to share it with you. Basically, it's the idea that the price of God's adoption in us was a hefty one. The, to free us from the enslavement of sin, God paid the price of his perfect son. We see that in John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He has come to us. We see it in Ephesians 1, 5 through 6, where it says he predestined us for adoption as sons in Jesus Christ. We see that all the time in the gospel. In adoption, we see what God has done. Just personally and practically, when I think about God's adoption of me, I begin to think about like my current life situation. Currently, my wife and I have two kids that are not ours. They're in foster care. But I never realized how much I would understand who God is through being a dad to these kids. Let me, let me run you down. Here's what I wanted to do. And if I start crying in this, I just, I'm just going to apologize. I may not. I'll try to keep it together. But I, I want to describe to you the ways in which I have seen the grace and mercy of God. Even when I had a role as a dad that I'd never before realized. When I wake up in the morning, uh, I'll walk into the kids' rooms. I'll call them brother and sister for uh, anonymity's purpose. Um, I'll walk into their rooms and I'll <laughs> hopefully walk into the room. Sometimes they'll wake me up and knock on my door. Um, there was one time that 
<laughs> they knocked on my door, and I was like, yes, and, you know, they were like, let's play, and I was like, oh, I'm tired, I can't do it, so they kept knocking, kept knocking, and then sister knocked on the door, and she said, do you want to build a snowman? Uh, and I just started dying laughing because it was just hilarious. You know, we've been watching Frozen like on repeat for days and days and days. And I just couldn't help but laugh. But each morning, if it's a good morning, I get to walk into their rooms. I get to embrace them. I get to watch them wake up. And every day that I do that, I am reminded of like God's desire to watch us wake up. He watches over us as we sleep. And the excitement in his heart as his children wake up. I think about getting them ready for school. And every morning how it's a, it's always a fight. I want to wear a dress to school. Or I want to wear these jeans and, and this shirt. And it's like, no, you have uniforms that you have to wear. And they still don't understand what uniforms are, what's acceptable. And I think about like the physical act of like putting clothes on our kids. And I think about God and the act of like him clothing us in righteousness. And the fact that he has done everything so that we could be made righteous. I think about uh, them waking up and the first thing they're wanting is food. <laughs> I want breakfast. And they know the routine. They know when we eat breakfast and why we eat breakfast. But they wake up and they, they have all these needs and they're so needy and that's all they want. And I just want to cuddle. <laughs> that's all I want to do. But they want breakfast. <laughs> and I think about how needy I am when I go to the Lord. And I ask and I ask and I ask. And so many times I think about how much God just wants me to stay in his embrace and enjoy his fellowship. It's not because he can't provide my need, but he wants to be in fellowship with me just as I wanna be in fellowship with the kids. I think of the fact that I cannot get them off of my mind. Every minute of every day, I realize as a parent, finally, I understand what that means. You are always worried. You are always thinking about your kids and what they're doing or they're going to get in trouble on the bus and you're going to have to explain to the bus driver why they were whipping their belt around and running up and down the, you know, these are all true stories. Um, <laughs> but then I think about like that from the very beginning, God knew us from the formation of the world before we were even born in our mother's womb. He knew us. And he thought of us and how beautiful that is and how much I don't understand God's love, even if I feel like I know God's love through his kids. And even in their rebellion, even in the times where the word no is said a million times in our home and I try to get their attention and they run away and then they get upset and they tell you mean things like you're mean and I don't want to talk to you. And I think about how impatient I get as a dad. But then I remember how patient God has been with me 
from the very beginning. How many times I have run away from him. How many times I have disregarded what he said. How many times I have just desired to do exactly what I want to do and not what he wants to do. And yet every time he has brought me back. Every time he has embraced me. Every time he has been waiting for me. And when I start to think about that, I start to realize that, you know what? Human adoption, human foster care, person-to-person things, it mimics and it mirrors God's desire and God's action in adoption. Sacrificial love is what we see. There's a quote that I talked about about 10 minutes ago. Now I'm getting back to it. Um, It says this. It's by a guy named Vermin Pierre. He talks about, uh, he is a pastor, I think in Phoenix, Arizona. And he had this brilliant quote, and it helps me to understand exactly what sacrificial love looks like. He said, when we do that well, we begin to understand that these are sort of themes and values that play out in everyday life. Adoption and foster care are some of the most practical ways in which that plays out. Setting our love upon people who are often considered unlovable setting our love upon people that are often considered unlovable the second thing that we must see we see that it's sacrificial love adoption always pays a price it always costs something the second thing we know about God through this passage is it is restoring love Uh, we see this through uh, the next little set of verses here um if you, if you go down in, I think it's verse 5, uh, adoption brings restoration out of desperation. We see, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Okay? When I look at human-to-human adoption, you see a physical bringing a child out of a bad situation, a bringing a child out of a desperate place, but that is nothing compared to what God has done for us. You see, he has brought us out of the darkness, the darkest place, the most hopeless place that there is. He has taken us from death into life. He has taken us from despair into hope. And he has transformed everything that could ever be transformed. And he is able to redeem everything that could ever need to be redeemed. His love is a restoring love. Even when we don't understand it, his love brings restoration out of desperation. And friends, we are desperate for God. Without God as our father, we have nothing. We are nothing. We are desperate for him because when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This quote that I mentioned earlier, it goes on to say this, and it's a, for anyone that's done adoption or anyone that's been a part of foster care, orphan care, you may just say, yep, I get that, I understand that. But it goes on and he says, my wife likes to say it's like hugging broken shards of glass when you engage in foster care or adoption. I can't help but imagine that's exactly what it's like with God. Gosh, we are broken individuals and we are messy. 
And like God in his greatness and in his grace and in his mercy, like just picks us up the puddle, the mess, the puddle of ourselves. And he brings us to him. And he gives us exactly what we need. She says this, you're hugging people and bringing people into your family who are deeply hurt and yet love set upon them is redemptive and restorative. Adopting someone into your family certainly mirrors God's adoption for us. Restorative love. Restoring love. If I wasn't about to cry then, I may cry now because I'm going to tell you another story. Um, I was taking brother to school one day and we, um, some of you have heard this story and heard me kind of cry my way through it. But we were um, sitting in line at the school. We were waiting, to get, waiting for the coach to come and open the door so he could go to school. And all of a sudden, this song comes on the radio. Um, and they love music. I mean, our, our playlist consists of like uh, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. And then we go right into the whip and the nay nay. And then we... <laughs> Like, I mean, they just love it. They, it's, they just love music. But this particular song comes on, and I'd never heard it before. And it's a song by a girl named Lauren Daigle. Anybody know that? Uh, it's, it's on the radio. If you turn K-Love on, you could, you could hear it probably. But I wasn't really paying attention to the song until I really started to listen to the words, and I realized that my that, uh brother knew every word to the song. And I was like, well, he must've heard this before. And so I started listening. And what I heard was hard and awesome at the same time. I wanna wanna take you through um, the lyrics of this, if I can. Uh, Hold on just a second. Lyrics go like this. Letting go of every single dream, I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wondering never changes what you see. I try to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary, I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight, no matter what I face, you're by my side. The chorus says this, when you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust in you. Now, For most of us, that is a, a song of, a joyful song and realizing that, you know, we can trust in God no matter what. But as I, as I sat in that car that morning and as I listened to the six-year-old whose past is as dark as the night is and I think about the images that have run across his eyes, And I think about the places that he's been subjected to be. And I think about the harm and the danger, the difficulty that he's been in. And I think about myself at six and if there was any way that uh, what my life would be like at six years old if I had seen half the things that we believe that he's seen. And as I'm thinking those things, I hear his voice say, when you don't move the mountains that I need you to move, and when you don't part the waters that I want to walk through, 
when you don't calm the storms, it's okay. So I'm going to trust in you. You want to talk about restoration and redemption. This six-year-old is saying, God, no matter what has happened in my life, I'm going to trust you. Because you are able to bring even the worst things to the best things. We see that in the cross, right? God took the worst punishment at that time, uh, in the Ro- kind of in the Roman Empire. He took it, he placed it in front of the world to see. And he subjected Christ himself to that very punishment, that agonizing and despicable and deplorable death for everyone to see. People were probably running from house to house and saying, look at, look at this, look at what they're doing. Did you hear what's happening today? And he took that death, that agonizing torture. And when everyone thought it was over, when everybody went to their homes and got in their beds and thought about how awful of a day it was, we see that God was not done because he was using even the worst of things to bring about restoration and redemption. And he was gonna glorify his son. And we see in Matthew 28, when Jesus is about to ascend, what does he say? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Because of this desperation, God has brought me to restoration and redemption. And he has opened the floodgates of redemption for you and for me. And for that six-year-old boy sitting in that car that day. Restoration and redemption is made available today for us because God understands that it took restoring and redeeming love to bring us into relationship with him. The last type of love that we see, the last characteristic is this. We see accepting love. Accepting love. Adoption brings the rights to be full heirs. This is where we can celebrate people. Adoption brings us the right to be full heirs. The passage goes on and it says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You may say, well, I don't really get that. I don't understand that. Does that even mention that anywhere else in scripture? Actually, it does. Romans eight seventeen. it says, if we are children, then we are heirs. Rome, uh, John 1, 12, we have been given the right to become heirs. God has not only said, you are my son, but you are also my heir. That means that everything that I have is yours. The name that I have is yours. The, the treasure that I have is yours. Everything in the place that I dwell is yours. Personally, to me, this is really interesting. Where we are personally, and Audrey will be up later to tell you a little bit more about that. But in foster care, there, there are a couple of objectives. It's always the health, the safety, and the, just the betterment of life for the child. That's the real objective in foster care. But the first goal that you always wanna see is you always wanna connect, you really wanna connect them to family. You wanna bring restoration back to a relationship with their parents. Because that is the great, like, can you just imagine the, the redemption in that? And that is like, just being honest, is the hardest prayer I've ever prayed. 
when there are two kids in my home that I love deeply and desperately and I provide for and I care for, to lay my head down at night and say, God, I pray that one day you would be able to take them away from me and give them back to their mom and dad and have their mom and dad be able to care for them in a way that will bring success in, in everything that they need in their life. That's the hardest prayer. But what I realize is this, that prayer is not based off of what I desire. That prayer is not based off of maybe what their parents desire. That prayer is based off of what I, what I need for those kids. And what I'm saying is I am cheering for the kids above all things because I want their future. I want them to be heirs. I want them to find everything that they need in the Lord. And whether it's with me or with their parents, God, I just pray for the success. I pray for the health. I pray just for the, just the grace upon their lives. Because as heirs, God promises us a great inheritance, a better future. We have a God who has said, I will wipe away every tear. No longer will we have to live in this broken world. But as heirs, we will get to see a day where God has made all things new. He has brought everything that is broken and he has mended it together in his great power. That's my hope. That's what we get to look forward to as heirs. The day that God brings all things back to himself and redeems them. We're not done. We've got a great... um, moment about to happen. I'm going to invite a few people up here and we're going to talk a little bit through the practicality of what this looks like. Like I told you at the beginning of the service, adoption is a God thing. It's something that God has done for us. It's something that God has done and shown us the wonderful grace that he's given through that. And adoption is something that's happening in human relationships all across this world, humans to humans saying, I wanna pull you out of this desperate situation and bring you to something else. I wanna pull you out of this darkness and bring you to light. And so you may not, you may say, I have no idea what adoption is. I have no idea that I was called to adoption. And guess what? Not everyone is. And it's not a hero mentality because this person may be called to adoption and this person isn't. You are no less a child or an heir of God. Because God has specific things for us to play in the kingdom and the family of God. And so what I want to do is I want to uh, invite a couple people. They know who they are up here. Um, you can come on up here. I'll grab some stools and stuff um, as we get ready. These are my friends. Yes, I have friends. Um, just like four. So, and one of them's my wife. She's kind of obligated to be my friend. Um, I'll go ahead and give this to you guys. Um, basically, what you have up here, and I'll let them share their story, is different people in different places, kind of in this journey. People that have seen this firsthand, 
and what it looks like. And my hope today is for this to happen, for you to be able to walk away and say, I understand more about what adoption looks like. And I understand more about what maybe my life needs to look like in adoption, how I can support, maybe how I can move forward, how I can do whatever God's calling me to do uh, and do it in a way that gives you understanding. Because here's what I'll tell you. You talk to any foster care adoption agency on earth and they would say, I would rather one person, one family count the cost and know what they're getting into and begin this journey than a hundred families that don't understand. Because that one family is gonna say, no matter what happens, no matter how crazy these kids are, and I promise you kids can be crazy, I'm gonna stick with it because I feel like this is what God's calling me towards. So I wanna ask all of you, basically kind of a question of how did God call you or your family toward adoption, foster care, orphan care? So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jonathan Bankley. Um, My family adopted my brother. Uh, It was a little bit interesting of a situation because you normally think of adoption or foster care as adopting kids when they're young, but we actually adopted my brother when he was eighth grade, freshman year of high school. Uh, his parents kind of abandoned him. Um, and so he joined my family. I had known him through school and um, he started living at our house. Um, his parents kind of left him. And then through the next couple of years, my parents officially adopted him. Um, so it was kind of an interesting situation, but situation that's blessed my family uh, in so many different ways. I'm Allie, and this is Bobby and Miriam. Uh, she chose not to, to go to the nursery today, so she wanted to be here for this special service. Um, I have always had a heart for adoption and worked um, through uh, mission trips at different orphanages and stuff, but never uh, believed that God was calling me to it because of the difficulty and the, the financial burden that it carries. But um, God had bigger and better plans than, than I could imagine. And about a year and a half ago, we were not trying to adopt. We were not looking into adoption. We were not registered to adopt or gone through any visits or anything of that sort. And uh, we were asked if we were interested in adopting a baby that was due in three weeks. And so we had very little time <laughs> to make a decision. Three weeks. Three right? weeks, right? Ooh, all right. Uh, but they wanted an answer like today. Uh, so um, we prayed about it and we decided to say yes. And from that moment, uh, it was a wild roller coaster where uh, we actually never heard from the birth mother. And we thought, we can't do this. Like, we can't be a part of this. I I need to know. I want to go to doctor's appointments. I want to be involved. And we looked at each other and Bobby said, you know, if we get a call in a month, are we going to be like, no, we didn't know. We don't want that baby. We wanted to be involved. And we said, no, we're going to um, say yes and, and hold to our promises. And uh, so that's how, how God called us six weeks later, even though we thought it was supposed to be three. It was six weeks later, um, Miriam was born. And just to add to that, because we, we didn't know the birth mother and didn't have any involvement, we also didn't know that uh, she was using heroin every day of the pregnancy. And uh, we didn't know when she was born the mother walked right out of the hospital hours after giving birth, and, and that posed a lot of challenges. So Miriam was in the NICU for about a month, um, 
detoxing off of uh, opiates. And uh, we've been so blessed to, to stand by her side and to watch the, um, the people that have risen up alongside us in this process. And she's healthy. She has some, some delays that we go through therapy for, but um, God has really been faithful to show his promises when we said yes. I'm Audrey. I'm Jordan's wife. May he share that we have two kids in our home right now through foster care. Um, I think that, you know, when you look back at your story, hindsight is twenty twenty, and so I look at all the little things that the Lord did throughout my life to point me towards adoption. Um, but back to long story, so I'll start where, how do we end up with foster care? Um, we moved into Uptown almost two years ago, is that right? And um, some we live right across the street from the man gym that ICC serves at. And some man kids showed up on our porch one day and um, I gave them ice cream and they came back. <laughs> <laughs> and they showed up for several months and um, just getting to know them and learning to love them. Um, I began to see that they were probably about one bad decision of their mother away from being ripped away from her. Um, she has some significant financial issues. They're in a fatherless home. Um, she struggles with drugs. Um, so I started to think, where would they go? And would I ever see them again? And, um, my heart began to grow for they are not the only family and they're doing decently well comparatively. So um, started to just dabble in what, what that meant to grow our family through foster care and the um, bringing kids into our home that have been ripped from their family whether that's a good situation or a bad situation or whatever you may think it is, um, they're, they've gone through loss. And um, so we uh, just kind of took it day by day, um, decided to take some classes, see what that meant. Um, Jordan thinks he has lost several months of being married with no kids. We always said five years before we had kids. Last Christmas, Audrey was like, I think we should take these classes. It'll take more than a year for the, us to get these kids. We'll, we'll have them after five years. We'll, our plan will be great. And then lo and behold, August rolls around and we got two kids. So I'm still trying to figure out where these four or five months are um, uh, that are now lost somewhere. And, you know, who knows when we'll ever get them back. But but what he doesn't tell you is that he's the one who brought home a couple of pictures. <laughs> and he's like, I think these are our kids. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so we just kind of took it day by day and just prayed over every little step. And um, here we are, four months into having our first placement with um, two beautiful, joyous kids. 
Um, Jonathan and even Audrey, I want y'all to talk about this a little bit, but where have you seen the greatest cost or price uh, in adoption or foster care with your family? I'll start out. Um, so a little bit more backstory is uh, I have four other siblings before we adopted my brother. So my family is already very large and our house is bulging at the seams. Um, and this was very unexpected. Uh, he had been a friend of mine that I'd play sports with, um, but this was something where his parents, um, especially his mom, abandoned them very suddenly, um, and he started living with us, and then uh, he eventually was adopted um, officially. Uh, but there was not only the legal ramifications that you have to go through a situation like that, uh, but also now all of a sudden having a high school-age boy added to already having five kids. Um, so there was a financial burden as well as now you have a, a kid that was raised in a certain um, way, and when you adopt younger, you can instill values and things like that, but now um, you are trying to raise a kid that's been through a lot, that's seen a lot, that's been abandoned by his parents. Um, and so that's an emotional burden as well. Um, and so it's really just a testament to my parents, um, my other siblings um, that accepted him into our house, um, and then made him feel welcome. Yes. Audrey? Um, I think the better question is what has it not cost us? <laughs> um, but in reality, like the first thing I think about when I think of cost is um, the financial burden. We, um, although we are doing foster care, we actually are in a private placement with these two kids. Um, so that was unexpected. That was a God thing. Um, but it is a huge financial burden to go from no kids to two kids to older kids. Um, so that, but that aside, that is a burden. But the greatest cost that we pay is the emotional cost. Um, like Jordan sort of mentioned in his sermon, um, we have to, we have this battle between wanting to see reunification and um, thinking that we are the solution to the problem. And um, so we have to go back and forth over, you know, loving them with our whole heart and being their parents to praying for redemption and restoration in their birth family. Um, so there's a whole lot of loss associated with adoption and foster care that kind of gets pushed under the rug. Um, there's no situation that doesn't involve loss. And there's so much loss across all the board. It's loss of a birth parent. It's loss of a child. It's loss of dreams. It's loss of culture. It's loss of, um, you name it. They're dealing with so much loss. And the way that that manifests itself is through, um, behavior. We're dealing with a lot of behavioral issues. Um, 
manifests itself through tantrums and um, pushback. You know, there's a level of distance between us. Our particular kids have, um, in the past year, not been in the same home for more than six months. So they're still feeling like this is temporary. We're just four months in. They could pick their, you know, pack up their bags and move tomorrow. So it's just a lot of, there's a lot of cost to it. Allie and Bobby, um, how would you guys say that you've seen kind of the gospel at work the most through your adoption of Miriam? Um, I think we would both agree that um, we have had the wonderful joy of seeing God's faithfulness and seeing his promises just work themselves out. Uh, We're... We live on a, a firefighter salary, which is less than a teacher, um, and I don't work. And so thinking of how you pay um, adoption costs was really um, mounting for us. And guys, we raised like $10,000 in three weeks, and it blew us away. God was so faithful. And this wasn't like one person gave us a bunch of money. This was hundreds of people rallied around us um, immediately and God was so faithful uh, and his promises we've seen him faithful with her health and development and acceptance into our family our family's full of adoption we have adopted dogs I have a bonus (laughs) daughter that I've adopted through Bobby I mean she still has her her uh, birth mom that she is with but she's my daughter and then we have adopted Miriam and so God has just been so faithful to us, and his promises just ring true every day in our lives. Awesome. Um, Maybe Jonathan and and, uh, Bobby on this one. One of the things that we saw in the video uh, starting was that about a third of all people feel called at at some point in their life towards adoption. But what happens is about 2% of uh, people in America only only two percent really follow through with that. How would what advice would you give to someone? And it's not everyone in this room, and that is perfectly fine. But maybe those in this room that are saying, you know what, at some point in my life, I really felt called towards that, and this is what I needed to do. What encouragement or advice would you give them to move kind of in that call towards what they feel God's wanting them to do? So one way is um, I think with anybody thinking about adopting such a daunting task. There's so many steps you have to go through. We talked about the financial, the emotional burdens, um, but I think it's also great to show them uh, cases where adoption has blessed families. Um, adopting my brother Jasper has blessed my family uh, beyond what you could imagine, uh, how God has blessed our family, how uh, my extended family has rallied around my family and taken him in. Um, but also, I think, as Christians, even if you're not called to adopt, you should be there for, to support those who do adopt. Um, whether it's financially, whether it's helping them walk through the process, whether it's being with them for the emotional ups and downs of adoption, um, I think we really need to support the families um, that adopt within our community um, because there is such a great need. Um, and as part of our couple. Um, me and my wife, there's a couple that has adopted within our group um, and then having them share their story with us has made the couples in our group 
want to adopt the Lord, mm-hmm. hearing about their story, the process they went through, um, how it has blessed their family, um, has really uh, started uh, a desire in the couples in our groups uh, to adopt. And it's something that me and my wife have thought about, uh, and it's something that we think about even more seeing those people in our lives and seeing uh, what they've been through and how it has blessed them. Uh, I'll let Jonathan speak first because I'm kind of long-winded, <laughs> especially about this because um, it means so much to us and our family. You know, uh, I, I really didn't feel uh, we had we had such short time, like Allie was saying. Uh, we had three weeks to uh, come up with the decision to adopt, and um, I didn't. I was really scared, just like you're scared of having a kid. Um, uh, naturally, um, but to uh, to think about what could happen that you have no control over um, through adoption is uh, is like Jonathan said. It's really daunting. You you think um, this is what we're going to fall into financial burden. Um, what could possibly be wrong with the child? We we haven't had prenatal care, or, um, or that that person have has has they have they had it, um, but. Uh, you know, the f- the flesh tells you to think all those things like, um, you know, what can I possibly do about this situation? And 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 then, like Allie said, we got over that, prayed through it, and said, you know what, God, this is completely yours. Um, we we put this in your hands as if it's not already. Um, and. You know, when we did that, just like she was saying, the financial burden was lifted by God stepping up through people. Um, it, it completely changed my outlook. I, I think Allie was probably ready <laughs> in the flesh before I was because I was so um, neurotic about it at first. Like, this is what we're going to have to do. I'm going to have to work more. You know, that sort of thing goes through your mind. And um, But uh, after... Uh, seeing uh, Miriam be born at the hospital um, our whole family uh, rallied around and, and you know there was there was no uh, dry eye there um, if you can understand um, my uh, my father-in-law the pillar of our family through Christ is also adopted and so Miriam Scott is her name, her middle name. Um, and we're, you know, I could sit here and talk about this all day and bore you. Uh, <laughs> and she likes to interject in prayer and uh, stuff like that. But we're, uh, anybody that's it's contemplating it, I, I just would urge that you pray over it um, and, and truly lift up to God what's already his and say, you know, God change my heart about this. And even if he says, you know what, no, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to support someone else. Um, like they, like these individuals that Allie talked about supported us. Um, then, you know, then, then just, I would urge you not to turn away from that. Real quickly. I just one final question and maybe Allie and Audrey, y'all can answer this. What can the church do 
to rally around families like yours, other families that are going through adoption, foster care, what are things that they can tangibly do and practically do to say, we support you, we want to help you, we want to be with you in this? Um, I would say the first and foremost thing that we need is we need a lot of prayer. Um, Amen. Amen. We need a lot of prayer um, because we're inadequate. Um, it's only through the Lord's strength and um, provision that we can make it. So um, please, please, please just bathe us in prayer. Um, the second thing I would say is uh, listen and learn. Get involved. Pick a family that you want to be involved with and listen and learn about them. Do your research. Get on blogs. Get on um, on the Internet. Read articles. Read some books. Ask the family that you're being involved with what books they could read about your particular situation. Um, but listen and learn the family. Because the family dynamic has completely changed. Um, and things are different than the friendship that you had before or the race relationship that you had before. And listen and learn to what their needs are. There's no one that can tell you what they need but them. Um, and they might not even know how to tell you what they need. But if you're there doing life with them, come over and ask to fold a load of laundry or just tag along to whatever event they're going to. Just do life with them. Just insert yourself in their life and learn about their family, about their kids, about the way that they discipline, about the way that um, they struggle. Um, and then you'll know how to help. Then you'll be able to pray better for them. Um, and then, of course, there's ways that you can help materially. Um, with foster kids, um, a lot of times families don't have a lot of notice as to when they're getting a child or children. And so they'll have maybe a few hours to prepare. So they might need clothes. They might need shoes. They might need sheets or a crib or um, all kinds of stuff that if you have a family, you might already have. They're not looking for new stuff. Um, but also, you know, just a meal every now and then. I can't tell you how hard it is for me to get dinner on the table with two <laughs> kids. Um, they need, um, you know, just support, encouragement, 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 encouragement. Um, those are just a few of the ways. You can tell that we've rocked both walk this road because written down is prayer, encouragement and listening, be a part, and material needs. Like, that's everything that she just said. Um, I cannot tell you how sweet the prayers were that were put up for us um, when we, from like literally the moment that we announced that we are adopting to those treacherous, we thought were supposed to be three weeks that turned out six weeks, which... Once the three weeks passed, we thought we were not getting a baby. Like, we thought this is over. And we kind of knew that we would say yes, but went ahead about our lives. And so we had prepared, but not fully, because we kind of thought it was over. And so, you know, we needed material items, like, at the drop of a hat that we weren't necessarily prepared for. And 
we needed prayers that weren't just like before you eat your breakfast prayers. Like we needed prayers like a child is asking for a bike for two years. You know, like, Lord, please, 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 I want this, I need this, I want this, I need this, over and over and over and over again. So God was hearing those cries. And then the listening ear, the meals, the diapers, like all of that is such a blessing that sometimes, I don't know about you, you might not ask for because you feel like you've asked too much or that you're asking every day just by being in the presence of someone that's walking this road with you that if you are involved and you are taking part in that family's life, you sense the need, you know the need, you can kind of provide it before it's even asked for. Uh, But if you have no time to give and you have no money and you have no this, you have prayers to throw up to God that he will hear and he will love to hear. And I think that's the biggest one. Awesome. Will you give these parents uh, and friends and brothers and Thank y'all so much. Really quickly, I want to run you through how the church can respond. I just want to give you practical handles on what this looks like in your life. Uh, Because what we've seen is we've kind of given you a broad view and I hope a a view that gives you an understanding that like foster care and adoption is really hard. Um, It's really hard. It's the, honestly, from experience, is the hardest thing I've ever done. Being a dad to broken kids is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And there are more bad days than there are good days. But man, those good days, they're good. Um, but what I want to do is just give you some practicals. Maybe you're 19 years old, you're in college, and you said, I have no plans of ever adopting a kid. I, I'm not included in this. Yes, you are. Um, or maybe you're 90 years old, and you've had five kids and they've all grown up and you've got great grandkids and you're trying to figure out what it looks like. There's a place for you. So just a couple of things. I'd love for you to write these down. These are going to be so helpful as you try to walk with families that are going through this or you yourself are trying to work through this. The first thing, and I've got to run through these quickly, but the first thing is awareness. So be aware of families that are walking through this. Make yourself aware of the difficulties of this. Like Audrey said, there are tons of books. There are tons of resources. There are people that have walked through this that you could sit down and listen to for hours. Uh, When we first started walking through this, we saw it was so helpful to sit at the feet of someone who's done this because they can tell you just the raw, real, everyday truth of what this looks like. Awareness. Make yourself aware because kids that are being adopted and kids in foster care are not your normal kids. They haven't grown up in a family that's loved them from day one and been taken care of from day one. They're working with neglect and abandonment and abuse. And with those things come baggage that manifests itself in lots of different ways. And so becoming aware of those things is huge. So be aware. Awareness is one. The next thing is prayer. Like Allie and even Audrey say, prayer, prayer, prayer. I'm begging you, please pray for my family. Pray for families that are working through this. Pray if that's something that you feel called towards, uh, to work through that on your own. Prayer is just communicating with the Lord about our needs, our wants, our desires, but also worship in Him. And so pray for these families with an understanding that you are making a difference when you're lifting these families up in prayer. The next thing we see is support, supporting these families. You do not know how to support a family until you do life with this family. 
And so I just pray that if, if you want to be in it with people that are going through it, be a part of their life. Do the things that they do. You know, go with them to the zoo and see how crazy it is trying to get your kid to not reach into the, you know, the elephant area, you know? Um, and then say, oh, I get it. This is what it's like. Uh, come be a part of our small group and see how terrible, how awesome it is. Not terrible, but how, how crazy it is when the kids are running around at dinner time, right? And we're trying to, everyone's eating and it's so much fun, but the kids are running around and, and all those things. But then how awesome it is when we tell our kids to go to sleep and I get to watch them walk around our living room and hug every person in our small group and tell them they love them and good night. Small group, do y'all like that? Is that fun? Okay, yeah. So it's not terrible, it's awesome. But it's challenging. So find ways to support. Next, you can consider. If, if you are a family, if you're a single woman, if you're a single man, guess what? Adoption's possible. Um, one of the people that we sat at the feet of was a lady who always said, God, I thought you were gonna give me a man and then give me children, but I have now have two children and I don't have no man. Why did you do this? But she, she adopted two kids as a single lady and it has been hard for her, but she's, she truly felt like this is what God was calling her to. And through that, I've been able to see like God gives you grace and endurance and strength, even in the craziness uh, of that. So there's no one disqualified from this. So if this is something that you feel like God is tugging at your heart on, I pray that you would be someone who considers this and prays about it and works through it. And the last thing, but not the least, is movement. Listen, it takes small steps. If this is something you feel called towards as a family or as a person, take small steps. You can take classes. You can hear from others. You can take one step at a time. Uh, Once you decide, yes, we want to adopt, uh, most people's stories aren't like Allie and Bobby's where it's like six weeks later, here you go, Um, which is amazing. It's so cool. But most of the time it takes long periods of time. And so walking in that a step at a time and following the Lord is something that you can do. All of these things are things that you can do to be a part of foster care, orphan care, and adoption. Let me pray as we uh, end up closing, the band's going to come up. And let me just pray for those families right now that are going through that. Let me pray for our hearts as people that maybe God would call you if that's what God desires in your life. And also let me pray for all of us that we can be a part in a greater way uh, to what God is doing. God, we thank you. God, we praise your name. God, we were fatherless, we were orphans. God, and you have brought us into a magnificent grace and an inheritance that is far beyond anything we've ever known or understood. And God, without you, God, we would be stuck. We'd be neglected and abandoned, left in our sin, left in our unrighteousness. But God, because you and your great grace have given us everything that we need to be called sons and daughters of the King, God, you have given us an inheritance. You have given us a righteousness, God, that is far beyond anything that we could ever do on our own. But God, you have given it to us and you have showed us your love. You have lavished all of yourself upon us. And God, I just pray today, on this Sunday, this fun and different Sunday, God, that you would right now move in the hearts of people. 
God, move in so many different ways that all of us can walk out of here and say, there's something that I can do. God, if we're gonna be against abortion, if we're gonna be against the death and the killing of these babies, God, we must be for adoption. We must be for life. We must be for um, the truth and the, and the sacrifice and the restoration and the acceptance of kids. And God, for each person in this room, God, whether it's a family that's saying, God, we feel like we're called to adopt, but we are scared to death and we don't know what to do. Or if it's someone that's saying, I have no desire to have any kids, but I need to figure out how in the world I can be a part of the solution to these orphans and these kids that need families. God, I just pray that you would move in the hearts of people today, that you would give them understanding of how they can be a part whether it's simple as, as bringing a meal to a family in need or coming over and, and watching kids so, so parents can get away and, and rest and reunite as, as people and game plan about how in the world they're gonna make it the next day. God, we pray that you would call people out of where they are, not just to be adoptive parents, but God, to be aunts and uncles of these adoptive kids because, God, the family of this church, God, the, the, the beauty of this church is that I can step in the doors of this place and see aunts and uncles and cousins, God, that by blood we are not, but by your blood, God, we are. And God, I just pray for kids that need families. God, I pray that these churches around the world, your body of Christ would lift up people that are saying, we'll take them, we'll be there, we'll support, we'll rally around all people and we'll be for the betterment of these children. God, we celebrate that today. God, we desire to see what you're gonna do uh, in the lives of people. It's in your name that we pray, amen.